Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Streamcast episode number 58. I'm the homie known as Omi, and I'm joined by the resident hunk of Streamcast, aka. Oh, thank you. And I remember what my name was. It was, uh, oh, this bit went better last time. It was, <laughs> it was, it was Cora. No, it wasn't Cora. There was a whole bit I did, like, about how I was going to be like a girl character. I was like, oh, I'm not a hunk. And, oh, do you know what? I've ruined this intro. I do apologize. I am the Shabaloth. All right, on brand. Okay. <laughs> this okay. is a super big episode of Streamcast. So we've got a super big guest, the biggest guest in Streamcast history. He knows more board games than Chris Jericho knows submission holds. The Brock Lesnar of board games. He's a beast. Please give it up for our special guest, Adam Blampier. Hello! Hi, I'm the good twin to Isaac's evil twin. On brand. <laughs> <laughs> the meta needs to be Isaac's always evil, really. Yeah, I, I mean, it really is. Like, the meta is so far like, oh, Adam's always evil. But Isaac's been evil way more times than I have, buddy. I've been evil, like, once. One time. And you're, like, evil, like, half the time, you and yeah, that bloody watch. Carly. <laughs> And sometimes you're a good character when you're evil. <laughs> Basically. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, yes, uh, thank you so much for having me back on. Sorry about the the intro to the last one. But <laughs> I was I was here and basically, yeah, we tried to record this episode last week, but my internet was very bad. And so and we had to stop and do it again. But thanks for, thanks for being patient with me. I appreciate that. My internet's lovely now. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you look great. Thanks, um, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> of course, the little bit of inside jokes that we were having relates to the popular board game that's not out yet, Blood on the Clock Tower, which these two... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seamless. Are prominent members of, and it's like uh, Mafia on steroids. Or werewolf it is, steroids. yeah. Uh yeah, it, it's kind of pof yeah popularly kind of called like either Mafia or Werewolf on steroids because Werewolf is a great game. We like Werewolf, but Werewolf can be very very boring if you're a villager because you, if especially if you're a villager that gets killed early on, it means that you sit out the rest of the game and you can't even talk, uh, and it gets very very dull. But sorry about that. <laughs> Wait, was that was that Mummy Isaac? Yeah, yeah. Yay! <laughs> Mom, get out of here! I'm recording my podcast. But yeah, like um, Blood and Clock Tower is so special because it uh, everyone gets a power. Uh, no one has to stop talking when they die, even as a ghost. So when you die, you become a ghost, and even then, you have one vote you can spend for the rest of the game. So like, genuinely, like ghosts can win the game for the good team. So you're never done. You're never resting. You're always kind of talking to everybody. Uh, it's a brilliant game. Uh, me and Isaac play it uh, once a month, uh, pretty much. Isaac's always evil. Uh, as, as Well, what were you last time, Isaac? What were you last time? Here's the thing, right? Right. Even though my token was red, I realized I basically played as a good player in my interactions <laughs> with everyone. It's, yeah. it's all I know. Hey, <laughs> I man, like... If the comment section was harsh to you this month, they were to me too, because it turns out I was the good player playing as an evil player. So we uh, we kind of swapped alignments there. Oh, I got I got almost everything wrong that you could get wrong. Still win though, so win's hey, a win. Nice. 
I think I might have been one of the only people that was on your side when you had that complete like mishmash. <laughs> because like good like it was on easy mode almost. All the good characters were just banging it. They were making all the right calls. And it was just oh god, where's the fight? So it was it was good that you threw a span on the works actually. Yeah, I threw some tension in there. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the way I like to think about it. Oh, and it's good that we've talked about one of the most popular board games. Of the, on the internet right now because this whole podcast is going to be dedicated to board games to card games to tabletop games <sighs> amazing and, yeah but first things first we want to interview our special guest adam and we know board games are your bread and butter but we know that you're a bit of a gamer a video gamer as well I was a video gamer way before I was a board gamer, for sure. Yes, video games have got uh, well over a decade on board games in terms of dominating my life. <laughs> Lovely. So, what was your first ever video game? For, it, it really feels like it was Sonic, because that that kind of lines up. Like, I'm, I'm sure I could probably remember like a crazy old one. Like, we weren't like the Pong house. We didn't like like all of these like loads of people kind of my age my generation they kind of have like the commodores and the ataris and the kind of the the ones with the really weird names before basically yeah. the console wars was boiled down to three brands mm. um but no i the first thing i can remember is a sega uh, i i had the sega game gear my sister had the sega mega drive uh at some point i switched over to nintendo and i pretty much stayed with them because i had uh, I had the SNES, so I never had the Nintendo. I had the SNES, and then I had the N64, big N64 guy, uh, and then I had the GameCube. Uh, and then eventually after that, poor little GameCube, and then I crossed over into Xbox 360, which I feel Ooh. bad about. I, I feel <laughs> bad I was ever a Microsoft boy. Uh, and since PS, since PS, And then I got the PS3, and then since then... I mean, I got the PS2 as well. I've got, I, I, I've played a lot of video games, guys. Uh, but now, I, I, I guess, I guess, I sort of feel like I'm a Sony guy, even though that feels wrong. But no, yes, I've two, three, four, and literally within this week. So we actually tried to record this last week. Since we tried recording, a PS5 has entered my household. So I'm definitely feel like I'm, I'm Sony born, Sony bred. Gosh, gosh, it's good. That controller is the best controller ever designed. I used to say that the uh, GameCube controller was the best controller of all time, but it has been beaten now. It's better than the GameCube. It, the DualSense, man. It mm. like the way it feels. Like I, I'm playing Returnal at the moment, and you can feel rain. You can feel rain on the oh. controller. Just the way it pitter patters. It's so, so good, man. It's unbelievable. I've just been paid, and I'm really contemplating getting a PS5 now. And if you can, if you can get. If you can, I mean, Returnal's really good, but I do know that they're doing a lot of Ratchet and Clank bundles, and Ratchet and Clank is brilliant too. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot wait to play that. But uh, people I people I know who've played it say it's like the best thing going on PS5 right now. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, like the bundles are not selling as much. I mean, obviously they they sell out relatively quickly, but apparently the Ratchet and Clank ones stick around for like a few more hours. Uh, so that would be <laughs> that would be this. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Well, I finished playing Ratchet and Clank not too long ago, and I can attest to that. It's so good. It's definitely the best thing on the PS5 that I've played. And uh, we did a 60-second review on our YouTube. So if you haven't checked that out, why not check that out? YouTube.com forward slash Dreamcast. But now I want to talk to you about your favorite game or games. 
so I, I, I like, okay. Hmm. It's really tricky. So I, I think my favorite ones sort of stem from, I, I, I kind of just have like different favorites from different stages of my life. Like the hipster phase is shadow of memories. Like love that game. I don't know if you ever played it. it was a ps2 game where you have to go around this literally this german village and you keep dying and then you basically just travel back in time with the help of like this kind of weird homunculus friend you've got who gives you like this dream digipad it's called or something and it basically means you can travel back in time try and prevent your own death and you just keep doing it it's like this big puzzle game that kind of builds up and up and up and gets kind of weird and creepy that's so good that's that's my favorite game that no one's ever heard of shadow of memories uh but then i i, I did all the what like golden eye um, Legend of Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time. I'm like I'm a huge Naughty Dog fan. Um, like like I haven't really disliked anything they've done. Uh, like Uncharted, Last of Us is probably my favorite game of the most recent times. Like uh, love Red Dead Redemption too. So story stuff is kind of where I'm at right now. But then again, I like uh, you know when you get like a little bit worn down by AAA. Like I love a really good like platformer so i just played astro's playroom and it's just really sweet it's just yeah. a really good little platformer um like stuff like that like super meat boy just something where you can just plug in and play for like an hour because you don't have as much free time um so those are the two kind of like my favorite types of games like big triple a kind of story stuff mostly by naughty dog or rockstar uh or like the super small little kind of uh oh tell you what is um my favorite game kind of Super recently, I played. Have you ever played him? Um, there is no game. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. So good. Uh, it's like a it's a love letter to like the classic point and clicks, like Escape from Monkey Island, um, the heavy metal, and stuff like that. Um, it's on the Switch, is where I played it, but you can get it on Steam as well. Oh, Breath of the Wild as well. But also, yeah, no, it's you got like you you can point like this little cursor at the screen. You're just like pointing and clicking and stuff. And when you point at it and click it, like stuff on the screen breaks, so that you use like part of the HUD as puzzle pieces to like. So you pick up like you're clicking on a thing, and part of the HUD just drops off and just lands at the bottom of the screen. And you pick it up and then you use it for something it wasn't supposed to be used for. So it's just really cool little kind of like puzzle mechanic, and it's really really funny. Uh, so yeah, there you go. I, that was a long answer to a question <laughs> to a question that could have had one answer. I've given you like six. So no, that was a, that was a great answer. Yeah, holidays coming up, and I'm gonna play some of these games. Actually, the uh, <laughs> there is no game sounds amazing. Really, really good. Like I think it's overwhelmingly positive on Steam. So you know yeah. it's good. Yeah, I'll go with that. Oh, I mean, what about you guys? What are you, uh, what are your favorite games? I'm sure you guys have probably talked about this loads and loads and loads, but <laughs> maybe. So we've talked about our favorite games so much that it has started to annoy our listeners. But oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about it again because our guest has very nicely asked us. And I'm pretty sure, Isaac, it's the same for both of us. It's God of War 2018. Yes. Oh, great game. Mm. Mm. I tell you what, so like um, uh, installing it, I think it's currently installing on the PS5 because that PS, because uh, it basically PS5, PS Plus collection. Oh, holy moly, guys. Yeah. Like the number of games you can get. You basically need never have had a PS4. Um, yeah. But yeah, God of War is one I'm super psyched to play. I've never played Persona 5. So like, I'm really excited to play that because you can get that for free. 
But yeah, you can just like if you're a PS Plus member with a PS5, you just get all these free PS4 games. It's like, jeez. Uh, yeah, God of War is so good. Can't wait to play the sequel. Yeah, I think it's coming out next year. I was really, I was hurt that it's not coming out this year, but I don't mind waiting for a game. Like when a game is rushed, or fans are like, "Oh, we need it now," mm. and it comes out, and you get a Cyberpunk, it's very bittersweet. So I was just about to say, Cyberpunk is the game where it'd be just like, "Well, I think, I think that's made everyone be just like, actually, you know what? Finish the game first. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that, actually, now that I think about it, you you finish what you're doing, and then we'll we'll wait." um like i'm super sad that horizon forbidden west is being delayed until february but hey if that's what it takes to finish it mm -hmm. at least you know then you the game one, love it um it's my partner my partner's finished uh, like playing it again at nice. the moment yeah she thought it was coming out in, in a few months so she was like <laughs> oh get yeah go get ready yeah yeah shame about that i think she's one of my like most favorite protagonists in video games as a whole because yeah just as a person, like this whole world is basically against her, and she's still like, she's got a bit of sass. She's still like a comedian at times. Um, she still like holds her head up high. Nothing gets her down. She just gets it done, and yeah. just a really well written character. As well as like, like you say, because she, you feel like the whole world's against her, but she's responsible for the entire world. No yeah. spoilers. Um, but it, which is such a <laughs> like, it, 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 it's such a great. It's such a great framing of the of the protagonist because so many protagonists are like the chosen one uh, mm. so you, you know like and that doesn't always feel like it's deserved but they're like i love the world building of the game where you just like suddenly just see everything falling into place and then as soon as you get into like the complex and you realize just what's happened yeah like, oh my god everything falls into place no wonder we're so important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so so great that's amazing so of course you mentioned board games becoming a big thing in your life. So I've got a multi-pronged question here. Okay. How did you get into board games so heavily? What was your first board game you ever played? And what is your favorite board game to this day? Okay, I can answer all three of those fairly concisely. Uh, first board game, unfortunately, was Monopoly. Because uh, that's one of like, the <laughs> like the four games that we owned as a family it was like Monopoly, Payday, um, Trivial Pursuit Junior, and Charades, probably. Uh, so, like, those were the four games that my family are not big gamers at all, which is why I can never really go into them. I was always much more of a, a video gamer because we just didn't have them in the house. And also, they weren't that good back then, to be honest. Like, most of the really good board games that we talk about come from like 95 onwards like pandemic which is one of like the great board games you know heralded as like a classic it came out in 2008 so like it, they, like most board games are recent uh that are really really good uh but i got into it probably about 2014 because i was a comedian with a sketch group called the beta males and we went to the edinburgh fringe and we played a bunch of board games with comedians and yeah it turns out comedians uh, really like uh, social board games it turns out because there are gigantic nerds that feed on being the center of attention uh, and so we played games like which make you basically the center of attention like games like the resistance avalon bang like social deduction games were the first ones i really got into because they're the most fun you get to lie you get to 
uh, you either get to have a secret or solve a crime, both of which are really fun sensations to have. And uh, yeah, I think the first the first proper game I remember like being like, wait, this is a game? It's like The Resistance, I think, which I know, Isaac, you're a big fan of, or at least Avalon. Mm. Yeah, I think Avalon's taken over because Resistance is good, but Avalon just adds like extra mechanics that I quite like. Yeah. So those were the, those are the main ones. And my favorite game, sorry to answer, to, to address the final prong, Cosmic Encounter. And if I wasn't sure about that before, I definitely am now because we literally just finished filming uh, our first in-person episodes of Board Game Club, which is a, a weekly series we have over on No Rolls Bard. Everyone subscribe to No Rolls Bard if you want to see me and Isaac play some games, especially on the Clock Tower. But uh, one of the things we've been playing recently uh, is, yeah, we, we built a studio. Uh, like a proper like studio with like proper cameras and proper lights uh, and we're playing games in there and who knows maybe we'll see Isaac in, in there soon uh, but the first uh, game we played was my favorite game uh, Cosmic Encounter and we played I think my favorite game of Cosmic Encounter I've ever played so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that translates to the screen yeah my favorite game 100% it's basically risk aliens role play super special powers alliances betrayals crushing people's dreams uh, it, it's got it's got everything man it's it's the best game it's the most is replayable there, game ever. is there a red token by you right now adam <laughs> out of curiosity look man i know i i played a good i played well i don't know how good you can be in cosmic encounter as every every man for themselves uh but no uh, in terms of like the monsters of the universe I was I was relatively a baby face. Like weirdly, <laughs> Sully was the real heel no. of uh, of this game. Yeah, I tune in. Wait. Sully does a real good job. Mm. I'd need that video tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it September seventh. Oh, well, there, right. there you have it. A streamcast exclusive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, man, we, we just locked it in. We've locked in the final, like, so it's going to be every Tuesday we're doing Board Game Club now rather than the Friday. We keep other videos on Saturday, but we're going to be uploading Board Game Club every Tuesday. First one, uh, not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. Cosmic Encounter. It's oh, cool. Very nice. <laughs> oh, I'm very happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> so in regards to your questions, Monopoly, we've all had that, you know, phase in our lives. And... Um, yeah. Most of us <laughs> see our way out of that tunnel and, you know, come up the other side as, as you know, happier gamers. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said uh, Cosmic, yeah, Cosmic Encounter was your favorite game. And yeah. while I've never played it, I am very excited to watch your video of it. And it will make you want to buy the game yeah. for sure. Like I think that's that's what they kind of they we aim board game club to do is to show how fun the games are. Basically, we're only going to play good games, and we're going to want people to go out and buy the games. Yeah. But not because we're being sponsored by the games, but because we believe in the hobby, you know, so that people do start to associate the term board gaming with more stuff like Ticket to Ride, Pandemic, and Cosmic Encounter, and less with Cluedo and Monopoly Monopoly and other things. Although Isaac did play literally uh, (laughs) the first like actual like game game we played on the channel was Monopoly, which Isaac played and you didn't win, but you didn't lose, right? You didn't come last. Uh, no, I think that was Luke, and I'm very happy he lost because Luke sucks. <laughs> and uh, I'm inspired. <laughs> literally every time I speak to him, like, and I think I can trust him. He always betrays me. Anyways, 
Um, yeah, that's no, a, yeah. another story. Oh, nice this is, oh, this is relating to the uh, Blood on the Clock Tower game that Isaac single-handedly torpedoed by himself. Oh, I was proud is, of that. Is, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but even like the first game we played, he was he was still evil. So like, I think we're always on different alignments. So um, I've learned not to trust him. But um, yeah, I think he went out first. And you're right, Monopoly kind of sucks uh, because he just had nothing to do for the rest of the game. Um, Literally, he was out of the game longer than he was not out of the game. Like the game yeah. went like three hours, and he was out before like an hour was done. Like, yeah, damn. that's crazy. That's another reason why Monopoly just sucks. Like, it shouldn't go on that long, especially if people are out and people who are in it are not having fun. It doesn't really make sense when you can do like I don't know three games of Pandemic in that same time. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, like like Spyfall, you can just play. The amount of time, the amount of Spyfall you can play in a few hours, yeah. Spyfall is just infinitely better. And things like we get called elitists, like sometimes, but in the comments, um, just be like, oh, "Why do you hate Monopoly so much? You know, can't you respect a game that's brought so many people to the hobby?" And like, like I don't think a game like Monopoly brings people to the hobby. Mm. It's like imagine if the imagine if the most popular game, popular video game of like way back when was just a really broken like ET. The game like that was the game that everyone played <laughs> everyone would think video games were a big pile of crap you know because yeah. the one that and like that thing is like board games have this rep of being like oh is there nothing you can do is it raining outside like board games like whenever you see them like a movie or a tv show board game means you've got nothing else to do and everyone's bored and like oh my god god wish we could be doing anything else that is the popular conception of board games, and that's that's fine, whatever. But like, like that is because games like Monopoly are bad and long and boring, and those are the only versions of the games that people have played. And so, it, like, if if Neural's Bar could do anything, it's just like, just play a different game. Don't feel bad that we hate on Monopoly. We hate on Monopoly because it's bad. We think board gaming is so good that it's worth trashing something that you remember from your childhood just so you might play something else. And then you'll be just like, oh man, you're right, Monopoly. It sucks. <laughs> and everything else is so much better. No, I agree. I think the only way I can explain it is Monopoly being the McDonald's of board games. Mm. Like, everyone knows it. Well, it's not good for you. Yeah. Um, or imagine if, like, you, you know, imagine if you just like go, went into a bookshop and just like, oh, what is the most popular book? Da Vinci Code. Okay, I'll read that. And you've never read a book before, and you read that and just be like, oh, books are bad. And it's like, <laughs> it's not the books are bad. It's the most popular. It's the thing that it's just because like the thing that has sold the most isn't necessarily the best example of the thing. Like you say, we're not. You know, it's. It's fast. It, everyone knows it. It's got the branding. It's got the name recognition. But it's so far below the best of what the industry has to offer, and it, it makes me genuinely angry. Just because I, 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 like you say, I think of all the people that Monopoly has made everyone go board games. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And when we get on to talking about really good board games and board mm -hmm. games that we do like, you you, you just realize that. There's more to life than just Monopoly, and yeah, we shouldn't still be stuck on games that we've been playing, you know, back in the family, back at Christmas, when we were eight or ten or whatever. There is a lot more to the hobby, and I'm really glad that Noral's Bard is a thing, because it is breaking down that stigma of board games, and it's not... So, video games were the stigma, you know, 10, 20 years ago, and mm, absolutely. Games have come a really long way to be one of the most 
profitable industries now where you know big banks and sports brands are trying to get in the gaming scene now and i think you know you could do you i think i can kind of see the same thing happening to board games it's still an activity that people find fun if it's the right game and yeah i'm really glad that the stigma is slowly breaking down there's so many people um playing games on youtube and stuff and not as many people playing board games on youtube and i really hope that because of your videos, we get to see a lot more content creators put in stuff like Blood and the Clock Tower or Avalon playthroughs and just get more people playing more um, different and unique board games. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so there was a really, really great series on YouTube called Tabletop. And like, the, we're not going to lie, like, when you see what we're doing with the studio setup of Board Game Club, it's very similar to Tabletop. But that's just because Tabletop is what it's big part of what got me into gaming because like you can just like look at there's so many board games to buy like there's so many video games to buy yeah. you know but you want to see what people feel what people think and there's so few kind of really good really entertaining shows where people play the games and you actually got to see oh my god this is what it's like um and that in like for a long time tabletop informed my board game purchasing so much and like a lot of people's as well like in a tabletop industry there's a there's a term called the wheaton effect basically if a game appears on tabletop hosted by will wheaton that game would sell out like will wheaton caused the game suro to sell out worldwide literally wow. what like you yeah. couldn't buy a copy of it like it was it, that's how kind of influential this series was so we're trying to kind of and it's gone now because they tried to uh, not will wheaton but the company who owned geek and sundry tried to really monetize it and kind of wrung all the joy out of it so will wheaton didn't you know stop doing it but we kind of want to fill that gap and yeah like like you say like um we're kind of waiting for board games to have its superhero moment like you say video games were like the that's what losers do alone uh similar you know and, and you know now they are the mainstream superheroes comics that's what losers did alone now they're the mainstream and i just want board gaming to have that kind of renaissance it'll be harder because it's really hard to make board games sexy but we'll do our best that's why we need that's why we need isaac because he's the, yeah. he can be the hunk of board game club. I'll yeah. try. Yeah. <laughs> Just whenever you're on screen, please wear the tightest t-shirt you can, Isaac. Please, we need them clicks. All right. I'll do it if I have to. <laughs> I must. This is why you've been going gym, man. Have you seen the games? I, I thought I was going gym for my health and well-being, but I. Oh, I, shut I, up, Isaac! No, don't believe stuff. that. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, no. Look at those show muscles. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> so I'm really glad that all of us here have quite a varied history with video games and board games. And I want to see if that relationship is quantifiable, whether it's causation or correlation, or is there a, a link between a good board game and a good video game? Can oh, yeah. a For sure. video game make a good board game and vice versa so open questions to everyone what board games do you think would make good video games what yeah what what board games would make that jump and make a successful video game 
I can sort of do you one better. Like I saw a brilliant, I haven't had a chance to play it, but it sounds brilliant. And I really hope that something like Blood on the Clock Tower does something like this because Blood on the Clock Tower is like online functionality. Like if you get it right, really mm. works as we found because like we found a version of Blood on the Clock Tower that people really like so much so that people don't necessarily want us to play Blood on the Clock Tower in person because of like some of the stuff. But yeah. I, so werewolf one night ultimate werewolf to be fact uh, in fact which is like a slim down condensed like kind of ultra quick version of werewolf uh there's a version of that on psvr and you're sat around a campfire and you're looking around with your headset on uh but if you're the werewolf looking around the campfire you can see who the other werewolf is but no one else can oh which is so cool it's like it, that, it's, it's a way of translating like having different cards in your hand to something that you can actually see and feel but yeah like you're sitting around a campfire and you can see yeah oh there's the werewolf over there and like no one else can see that only you because you're the other werewolf uh, so like social deduction games I, like you've seen that with like jackbox right jackbox is the perfect bridge between board games and video games it's communal, it's everyone in the same room, it's based mostly around your social dynamics and social chemistry, but you're interacting. And the way you interact allows hidden information to go out and like hidden information to be inputted. And that for me is like the perfect like bridge between uh, video games and board games. And like I, the reason I kind of like board games as much as I do is because I don't get the same out of video games that I used to. I'm not going to be like old man yelling at cloud, but the sort of slow death of local multiplayer has yeah. really bummed me out when it comes to video games. Because when I was like a kid and I went to school, we had like this little common room and literally someone, some kid, some brave kid brought from his home a GameCube and installed it and like put a monitor on like in the tiny little corner of our common room. And like that was what everyone did every single lunchtime. It was Smash Melee, like, every, like that and um, Mario Kart Double Dash, and just the um, like. And you got like four pl like players like in it's like you right, whoever won stays on. Now other three get out of here. Next three, and it was just that for an hour, and just like that communal like that sense of audience there. Yeah, man, like. I don't feel that as much in the video game industry as I used to. And that may just be just because I, I'm sure you can play Call of Duty local, I'm sure, but it's not the focus. Whereas that is all board gaming is. It's like, especially the games that we really like, the kind of party games, the social games, social deduction games, it's all about not necessarily playing the game, but playing the pl other players. And that's that's the wonderful thing about about board games and any like any of those games any of those kind of social deduction any of those really social games translates as we've seen with jackbox translates to video games super easily the, the your story about the common room really took me back to like year nine we had a common room in our secondary school and there was a ps2 there i don't know who provided it and no one stole it that, that's important and that's amazing uh, <laughs> <laughs> i can't like, believe the gamecube it. stayed i really can't <laughs> They just like, leave it there overnight, like both yeah. of your friends. Oh wow! Okay, wow. it lived there. It was the common room's GameCube. That is adorable. But yeah, it wasn't like in a case or anything. It was just out, and no one stole it. And the game that we bonded over was, I think it was Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi Two. So not a game that I was terribly good at, but because it was like the Dragon Ball IP, all of the boys would just be there every break time, every lunch time, and we just play like. 
we wouldn't even eat. We would just play and just have fun. And yeah, that, that just took me back to a really pure moment. <laughs> Who's everyone's main on Smash Melee, by the way? So I've not played Melee, but I played oh. Ultimate. Melee's, Melee's, Melee's hard going, man. It's so quick. <laughs> I need to play Melee. I... Uh, Link for me. Link is like, it's just being able to the up and B when you charge up, like, and just get, it just gets everyone away from you because everyone's over the, all over the screen all the time. And Link just has the ability to just get people away from you and give you a little room to breathe. I think you should definitely check out uh, Smash Ultimate, Adam. I think you'll really enjoy it. Oh, I, I, I mean, I've got, I've, I've got a Wii U. I, Wii U Switch. Which one? Which one's Smash uh, Ultimate? Yeah, I, I've, I've, yeah, I've yeah. got Smash Ultimate. Don't you worry about that. Who's your main on Smash Ultimate? Uh, oh, it's Mewtwo, but I just get bodied all the time because Mewtwo. That's so right. And the tail, like, is just a long hitbox for people to get. But yeah, he's fun. I think I was playing against a mate once upon a time. And they did something, like they used Mewtwo's Disable and it just stunned me immediately. And just because of how powerful that is, I was like, I've got a main Mewtwo. I've got to do it. And uh, yeah, like I'm a lot better at Smash now, but oh, I'm still garbage. What's the, oh, I can't, I haven't played Ultimate in a while. It's mm -hmm. Roy, right? Who's the name of the boxer? No, Lil Mac. Lil, Lil Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mac. Roy's the guy with the huge sword. Lil, like Lil Mac's my Ultimate main. Oh, nice. I, and I, no, no one else seems to play as him, but just the yeah. fact that he's slowly charging up the killer thing, yeah. and then eventually, just like someone will just pop up next to you, just, just walk into it. Yeah, <laughs> so so good. Because like him before that, it was like Smash Brothers. You, I think Ganondorf yeah. was mm. my was my main. I, I like I like big big charge up characters. To yeah, kind of, like heavy hitters. Heavy hitters who can just like clear an entire room in one shot if you get lucky enough. Those are my guys. Oh, nice. Well, Lil Mac was my first main on Ultimate. Oh, really? Then, oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I still use him from time to time, but yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, weaknesses in his game, mainly like the off-ground game. Um, yeah, and he yeah. can... The left him, left B one. He just jumps Ooh. halfway across the screen. Like there's a lot of times that I've killed myself yeah. just doing that. But knowing that you can get across the screen in one go if you need to, <laughs> I just not quite good yeah. enough to make the most of him. But also Link is a great character, especially young Link. I think because he's got all the utility, like the bombs. He's got the the chain for the grab, so his grab mm. is just extended. He's got the up B as you described. He hasn't changed so much from Melee, so I think he'd really enjoy Young Link on Smash oh, Ultimate. Yeah. I think gonna try. Yeah, I don't because he. I never. I never really played much as him because he's. He is he the one with the up B that brings everyone to you, or is he the? Or is am I thinking of Toon Link? Because I, I. I can't. I can't remember who's who. There's so many links. <laughs> uh, all I know is ad, Adult Link sends everyone away when you do up and B, mm -hmm. but there's some which I think like suck everyone to you. I'm not sure if that's Toon Link or Young Link. I'm, that might be Toon Link. I'm not mm. sure. But yeah, like there's so many great characters in Ultimate, and I'm still, how many years? Two years in, I guess? Still like discovering new things and still getting bodied online. So it's, <laughs> it's a fun experience. <laughs> I just never, ever, ever played it online. I, yeah. I don't want that. Online I don't want to fight too. someone who, like, I don't want to fight someone who's better than me. And if, and if someone does beat me, I want to be able to swear in their face, just like me. <laughs> And that's why you like board games. That is why <laughs> I like board games, Isaac. You yeah. get it. 
Oh, you mentioned um, Werewolf BR, and that was a fantastic point. That sounds amazing. So I watched the Pandemonium Institute Twitch channel, and one yeah. time they actually Would did a VR stream. So the bad guys knew who they were. I think it pretty much played as the board game did, but everyone was sat around the village and then they actually went up and left to talk in their own whispers. And then, no when, oh, yeah, cool. when people died, they became ghosts and everyone actually got sent away to cottages. It, it was it was really fantastic. And I think it's on their YouTube. So, Ooh, I mean, yeah, if you have the time, definitely check that out. But it looks really good. And I think it was fan-made. So if they really wanted to, like, I think they could make a really impressive looking game. I think if you managed, like, if you got Blood in the Clock Tower to become uh, like a, a even even not just necessarily a VR experience, but found a way to like create internet functionality, like voice chat and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And basically put everything you do with Discord into something that's relatively easy to pass on like something like Steam. I think they'd have a world beater on their hands because it's the best social deduction game I've ever played. Just in just how much you want to play it and how every game can be so different. If if they find a way to just like turn it into a video game, like man, I think they've yeah. they've got million dollars of ideas on their hands. <laughs> well, essentially, Among Us is like the archetype social deduction game. Like Among Us has been described as a mafia turned into a video game. And yeah, Blood in the Clock Tower is is just such a better game, just because the dead people still take part in the game. Yeah, and um, there's just more options. So I think if you use that with Discord, like they do with Among Us, I think you do have a very fun experience on your hands. It could definitely work. I know we're giving Pandemonium Institute like a really hard job here, but you can definitely <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll make the board game first. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like they, the board game's been waiting for like six, seven years to be made. <laughs> so like they'll they'll get that out there first, and then I'm sure they'll get onto the the next bit. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, there has been an update on the board game, and it looks like it will be out this year. And honestly, it looks really good. Yeah, but man, people... November thirtieth. That's mm. the big. Um, I mean, I I backed it, so I'm getting my like. I backed it Same. like months months before I ever met Ben. Months before mm. I ever kind of like started No Rolls Bard. I put my money down and made sure I got a copy because it looked so good. And yeah, like the amount. Like it's weird to know how much I've played a game I I don't, don't have yet. Own yeah. <laughs> like I know the game inside out, and I've mm. still not got my actual hands on an official copy yet. I think that's one of the reasons why I was so okay to back it because like I see Kickstarters and I know a lot of them don't make it to the end and I've missed out on a lot of Kickstarters and a part of me has always been like oh, I'd love to get behind the Kickstarter and like get behind something I really enjoy and then when I realized hold on I can actually buy this it it was a no-brainer because I really kind of got my money's worth like I'm yeah. sure you've played way more than I have but I've probably played like hundreds of games blood and clock tower and honestly oh, it's definitely worth it i mean you, yeah you've already paid you've already got your money back in kind of experience already mm. and oh, yeah like and playing in person is so different to playing it in live as well like i actually got an email from ben saying like so now the lockdown's over what are we thinking and i was just like well when the game comes out maybe we'll do a thing but i've got I, i've got fun fun i like nothing in the concrete in the pipeline yeah but i've got fun ideas about a uh, a christmas themed in-person game of blood uh, blood on the clock tower Ooh. that to me sounds fun nice that sounds amazing <laughs>
Well, on, on my list of like board games that I think would make great video games, I've also got a Harry Potter game. So Isaac, I think we've played this multiple times. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, and Hogwarts it's a Battle. co-op game. Yeah, it's a co-op game, and you go through the seven years of school, and you fight various enemies, and there's a lot of... Well, essentially, you're trying to build up money so you can buy good spells or good characters to use in your fight so you can beat the bad guys, but then all the bad guys have different effects. So like some of them basically take you to a worse location. Some of them sap at your health, and if you, your health runs out then you also contribute to the location getting worse and worse. And I'm probably doing a bad job of explaining what the game is, but it's really fun. And there's a lot of different well. elements that mesh well together. Yeah. Uh, the location, the health, the uh, health of the enemies. Like they thought a lot about this game and it really shows. Yeah, it's a, it's a deck builder as well. Like that's one mm. of the kind of nice things about it is like, I think so many people are gonna be attracted to the game because of its like IP and its branding, mm -hmm. but it's also a really good example of a deck builder and will kind of teach people that mechanic, like rather than like a game like Dominion, which everyone would be like, that's for nerds. Uh, this is something that has Harry Potter on it, uh, but it still teaches you that mechanic of like, oh, you build up your hand of cards. You don't get the cards that you've just bought. In fact, you have to have but you know, burn through your bad cards in order to get your good cards. And so you mm. build up and build up and create this engine and stuff. And like, I always love it when uh, companies attach like a really notable brand to a good game. It doesn't, doesn't always happen. It's mostly just Harry Potter Cluedo. Uh, but when they actually like, or like Villainous, have you played Villainous? No, no. Villainous is right really good. Um, so it's Disney. Uh, it like it, it's a completely di like, Disney themed game, but you're playing as Disney villains. But Ooh, it's, it, yeah, yeah, man, it's really good. But you get your own little kind of like playset, and you basically just like it, each villain has their own puzzle to solve, and it's like a proper board gaming puzzle, like collecting sets or uh, pushing your luck or building this little engine that kind of you know creates money that allows you to build other stuff which lets you get more money which allows you to build other you know proper stuff that's proper like bread and butter board gaming but presented in this kind of disney way that's super like attractive to the mainstream market but it's also fun really fundamentally sound from a board gaming perspective like, i love stuff like that because so often it is just a, like a you know we'll just whack frozen on guess who call it a day um <laughs> but when when you but yeah, like this is the stuff that's going to bring in the people. Like that's what we like. We, we really want to market ourselves to mainstream people. Mm. Um, you know, like that's why we do so many lists um, because we know that you know they get shared quite a lot, and that's why we do, you know, like comedy sketches or stuff like that. But we just want more people to buy games because games are great, um, and games like Villainous are at the front end of like and like ha you know Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. They're on the on the front lines of getting casuals which is not a dirty term I, I i don't mean it with disrespect but getting more casual gamers into the market so they mm. try other stuff honestly i think you're absolutely right um as a casual myself uh it's nice you're not you casual like... either. <laughs> you'd, like, you'd like to think so but you're not a casual sir i have like three board games behind me that i own and how many you own you've played quacks of quedlinburg a bunch of times oh, that's tennis real game. game you're a gamer fair enough all right um, I, claim you, I claim you for the gamers i'm afraid yeah, Sorry. thank you appreciate that um so like for, for casuals uh it's really nice to see something look at it and be like okay maybe i won't get the game straight away but 
like I really enjoy this series and you can go from there. But also for the people who aren't casuals, if there's a game that has been integrated with an IP and like you said, you can slap Frozen on guess who and call it a day. But when you've taken the time to make certain elements of the IP mesh really well with the game, then that's a thumbs up from me. I'll go back to like the Hogwarts battle. All the die, they're based on the houses and it's something small, but like I really love it. And they're they're made out of material that's like kind of see-through i think it's resin or something and it matches each of the colors it's something so small but any game that has dice rolling is yes i must have it um the coins there that that you use to make money it's coins from like gringotts bank um and it's just little small things and even the cards like it's its abilities based on your houses so hufflepuff is more related to to healing um nice, more like yeah. damage dealing etc yeah ravenclaw uh so you're drawing cards and i guess that relates to being smart because anyone who plays a deck builder knows the more you can draw the better you do so obviously you know it's pretty brainy and it's that integration i think that takes like a really good game to an amazing game in my opinion because you could have so quacks for example love quacks if someone made quacks and harry potter fuse and did it well i'd be like oh you know what? you can have 100 for me i yeah i need to have this um so yeah this is my oh yeah cents. it's why my favorite uh games of the moment really like my favorite gaming family is unmatched mm. which is sort of like villainous in so much as like it's famous figures from history Ooh. um but it's a fighting game so instead of like you're working on your own little puzzle trying to become the most dominant evil villain, you're just smacking the crap out of each other <laughs> on this battleground. Nice. Uh, but it's like Medusa versus King Arthur versus oh. Bruce Lee versus Robin Hood versus Bigfoot versus, um, you know, Little Red Riding Hood versus Beowulf. Like mm -hmm. loads of these really classic uh, figures. And um, so, yeah, one of the things I love about that, like, Isaac, like one of the things you say is like, oh, that's a thing that I remember, but it's not only just like, oh, that's cool, but it's cool in a way that affects the game. Yeah. Uh, they're coming out with uh, a bunch of Marvel unmatched figures. Like there's one which has Daredevil, Electra and Bullseye, one mm. with Moon Knight, Ghost Rider and Luke Cage, one with Squirrel Girl, Captain Marvel and Black Widow. Uh, like, there's loads of like really cool characters, but the best thing about Unmatched is the way that their cards, like I've just got the Deadpool one, They've got its mm. own little like pack of like Deadpool as a character, and like all of his cards are different, and they're all like like one of them is like um, Charles Xavier's bank card, and he's just scribbled all over it. So like you're holding the card in your hand, and it's just got, it's just got Charles Xavier's banking info. Oh, on it. that's cool. Uh, it's really cool. It's just like a little brilliant touch from like them as characters because mm. it just infects the whole game because every character plays so differently like you have the velociraptors from jurassic park which play incredibly different differently to sherlock holmes and you've got the invisible man who plays so differently to dracula or sinbad or alice in wonderland like these are all characters you can play and everyone has this like different powers and different cards like everyone has their own private deck and the artwork is gorgeous it's my favorite thing because like you say it's all about like this is a really solid game but it has something that i know something i remember something that excites me 
But the thing that excites me is actually something that you can actually like act out in the game. It's not just a little bit of window dressing. It's something that actually feels like you say with like Hufflepuffs being good at healing. It's something like I know I know this and this makes sense to me and I can experience it while playing it. So I almost get to role play as these characters that probably make you feel like you're you're a special character, unlike anyone else around the table. Unmatched. Exactly that. Yeah. 100% my favorite games like going right now. Cosmic Encounter is my favorite game, but Unmatched <laughs> is like the thing that I am currently obsessed with. No, I swear. You could say when it comes to games that you really enjoy, that one don't, is a. Don't do it. Unmatched. Don't do it, Isaac. No, no. <laughs> Everyone makes that joke, Isaac. <laughs> You're not special. <laughs> Why did you think it'd be any different here, Adam? I don't know what I thought. I thought better of you, Isaac, and I. I regret it. Uh, I'll do it yeah. again as well. You know <laughs> I will. Always evil. Yeah. <laughs> more chaotic. I'd say more traveler than anything. You're you're like cha- chaotic evil, Isaac. That's what you are. Uh chaotic good, I think. Oh no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't care about your intentions, it's the consequence <laughs> of your actions that make make all the difference. Uh. So I guess at this point we'd, we kind of look at the flip side and talk about video games that would probably make good board games. And I mean, if anyone has any shouts, let us know. Um, so I'll start one off with a game that actually Isaac told me about, Pokemon Conquest. Now, I think that would make a good board game. And Isaac, I think you'll probably do a better job at explaining the game than I would. So I'm setting you up here. Don't let me down. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Um, so Pokemon Conquest brings... I think it was built off a different game with the same engine. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Adam, when like you like a, a certain game and then an IP you love is like, you know, baked into it. Mm. Um, and then so basically what they did was they took all of the concepts of Pokemon, so like the types, uh, the Pokemon themselves, and they put it into... I think it was, there's the thing, I don't know my history that well, but I think it might have been, I think it was the feudal area, feudal area, feudal times. Um, but I'm not sure if that's Japan or China, uh, but anyways, feudal times with like lords yeah. and whatnot, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is when you play the game, you've got one Pokemon and you go into battle and you have to, you're on a big map and there are certain objectives. So one could be capture all the flags, one could be defeat all the enemies, or one could be uh, do a certain thing on the board. And you have mm-hmm. to move each Pokemon to complete the objectives. Each Pokemon can only move a certain amount of spaces. Um, and then when they do, they've got, they can do certain things. So you might have a special ability that lets them move you know, extra spaces but they only get that once a game. And that could be useful if you want to grab a flag or finish off a retreating enemy. Um, And I guess what makes it work is you are trying to, you you know, it must, I think it might've been China because I know you're trying to unite the land. I know that's what they, anyways, I forget the history. Um, You're trying to unite, (laughs) uh, trying to unite this land. Um, And you have to, and what you can do is when you fight other Pokemon, you can, call them onto your team. So if you, you know, beat someone down, uh, wow, Pokemon's really 
grim when you think about it. Beat someone down. Oh yeah, no, down. yeah, it's cock, it's cockfighting. Yeah, basically, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've massively glorified it. Yeah, and desensitized mm. ourselves to it. Um, but they can join your team. You build your army, and you strengthen your army, and you send them out to to do battle. Um, one thing about me is I'm not the best at explaining things. I do love this game, genuinely. But I haven't <laughs> done it justice, but I see where Andy's coming from because basically all the mechanics and the concepts, you don't need to have it on software. You could easily have it on a board game. Think maybe, I don't know, an Onitama or Suro. You just need a board that you can move on and you can mm. complete objectives, uh, basically. Everyone having certain powers is quite useful. And obviously the whole uh, fire is weak to water, water is weak to grass, all of that applies. Um, and obviously the environment as well, not obviously, but the environment as well has certain, you know, like pitfalls. So let's say you're in like a house or something, even though someone could be right next to you, you still have to go into like two other rooms to get around to get to them. There's environmental hazards. So if you go into poison, you get poisoned and eventually you could, you could drop off. And I guess it's a numbers game. If you lose too many... Pokemon compared to the other team, you just kind of automatically lose or you don't have enough manpower to get to the objectives because it's not just about KOing the other team, it's about mm. completing the objectives. And, you know, I quite like that because Pokemon's usually, all right, oh, it's my biggest, strongest move, Earthquake, let's go, that does the job. But this actually <laughs> adds some strategy to it. Um, and obviously, compared to Pokemon, is full of strategy, actually. But uh, I guess for someone who, you know, just plays Pokemon, knows the rules and is quite more casual about it, this is a really nice way to enjoy and not feel the pressure of going against someone who is so much more better than you. Because the competitive world of games uh, can sometimes take the fun out of it. Uh, which oh, is something, yeah. Yeah. Which is something I do quite like about board games. Like, I, I don't think you can do competitive Pandemic. I don't think you can do competitive Blood on the Clock Tower. It's just you go in and you have fun. That's the ceiling. Have as much fun as possible. Um, instead of certain games where like a competitive aspect can take away the fun. But yeah, uh, I guess I've gone about that in a long-winded way. But yeah, Pokemon Conquest, that could make a really, really good board game. I'm glad you brought that up, Andy. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to speak to Nintendo, get ignored, but get I know i Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've done something. <laughs> I think uh, any any game that has turn-based combat really, really like can slot into board gaming super easily because they actually made like an XCOM board game. So obviously XCOM is like, yeah, turn-based, you know, move certain places, use this action, uh, bolster, you know, for the next round, you know, earn action points, which you can spend. Yeah, they made a board game of it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it worked exactly the same. They made like four, Fallout ones where you kind of like, again, like utilize the environment. Anything that has grid-based combat goes on a board like that, like super, super easily. Um, and there's loads of like like any JRPG, you know. I I, yeah. I think like in terms of building up your character, um, acquiring items, um, you know, like building the perfect squad to send into like a certain situation, occupying a grid, using actions, chaining actions together. Like this gives you this, which lets you do this special power. It's all board gaming. Like that's what board gaming is. So like anything like that suit, so, you know, we'll try, you know, cross over the tabletop crazy easy. Yeah, that's a very good point that I hadn't considered. All of the turn-based stuff and JRPGs are perfect for that, especially when you consider a lot of RPGs are inspired by stuff like D&D. 
like you can kind of see how that relationship can go back and forth and could work so well. Like Persona, you said was a great game that you have yet to play, I think. Yet to play. Uh, yeah, me and my partner, like we haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, obviously Blair, who we play No Rolls Bard with, obsessed with Persona 5, I think has sunk uh, a worrying amount of hours into that game. <laughs> Same with John Gracie, actually. I think like they both played Persona 5 to death. And I am slightly worried about starting it because of, like, I don't know if I want to spend 60 hours on the game. <laughs> but, oh, 60 uh, Adam. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. No? no. Is that not? Is that, think, no. Is that chicken food? Much longer than that. Uh, oh. What you told me is true. Because uh, I was at my uh, 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I've had to give games back because they've taken me so long to play, like Skyrim. I, because I had this, I have this great board game rental service, Boomerang Rentals, which I swear by. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, haven't bought a game. I very rarely buy games. I just play them <laughs> by the service. But I had to actually just send it back because I was playing Skyrim so much. And I was just like, I, I see no end in sight here. And it's ruining my life because I keep, mm. I wake up in the morning, I start playing and I go to bed in the evening still playing. And it's just like, okay, I need to get, I need to get this game out of my life. It was like, what was it? Um, like James McElvoy's released a story recently about how he got obsessed with Oblivion, I think it was. Huh. So much so that he had to destroy the disc. Like he was actually, he was on set on a movie yeah. and he was not getting enough sleep that he needed to because he was playing Oblivion. No, so good. he burnt the disc on a stove because he knew that was the way he would definitely stop playing Oblivion. That sounds like a plot to a movie. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, the guy was obsessed, but you yeah, know, it wasn't it split by any chance, was it? I don't think it was split. Okay. It might, it might have been. I don't, I don't know. All I know is that yeah, he had to burn Oblivion because it was so Moorish. I'm, uh, I'm stealing that. I'm going to call every game I like Moorish now. Thanks for that. Yeah, do it, man. Really quickly, I think other games that would work. Um, push the button. I don't know if either of you have played this game. I think it might no. be similar to like oh. the Jackbox Party. Kind of games. Push the, button. Push the button is a game where a bunch of people are on the spaceship and a certain number of them are aliens, and the aliens know who the other aliens are. I have played Push the Button. It's oh, okay. it is, it's one of the Jackbox games. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's really good. I've not played it, but I really want to. So you have a set number of minutes to basically find and get rid of the aliens, get them off the spaceship, because they sent a virus to the supercomputer controlling the ship. So in turns, you each choose an activity and you take whoever, whether it's people you suspect of being aliens or someone that you know, you're know you quite fond of and you do tasks and the aliens get different prompts to humans. So a prompt might be draw a cake and then an alien might get draw an animal. So they're both presented and the human prompt is shown. And then if any of the responses look sus, like you, there's a sus button or something, and then when you, you have to like explain yourself and it's really, really fun because aliens have the opportunity to hack humans and the humans can get alien prompts and vice versa. Oh, aliens can get the human yeah. prompts. So, I want this. Yeah. It, it's, it's board really... gaming, man. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's yeah. The social deduction, the minority who knows everything versus the majority who knows nothing. Like it's, it's all that kind of stuff and screwing with people. Uh, like we played Republic of Jungle. You know, that's a board game, yeah. which what, you know, that's Avalon, very yeah. similar to Avalon, but with that little bit of extra 
functionality with the phone, which means you can just do a few more things. Um, yeah, it's really, really fun. Oh, push the button. It's great. It's really hard for aliens. I don't think I've seen the aliens get away with it. It's so hard. It's really, really difficult. I think I saw the aliens win on up, up, down, down, actually. But, um, oh, really? Nice. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that was a rare occurrence. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu was a, is obviously a well-known board game. Um, and that's one that I thought would make a very successful video game. But they have made one, and they yeah, have like, yeah. reviews. <laughs> so I don't know if what went wrong is the right answer there, but what could board games learn from that so that when they make the jump, they don't get met with, <sighs> but they're met with more, like, positivity? It's it's tough. Like, I, I think the reason why Call of Cthulhu, or I think it's called The Sinking City, hasn't done super, super well is because like it, it's just a Lovecraft license. You you walk around, you pick up stuff like it, it. It doesn't. It doesn't capture the same. Like the reason why push. I love games like Push the Button. Is it because it captures that board gaming thing? You know, I, first of all, you're all in the same room, which helps. You need like you need to be in the same room, um, and just like yeah, Call of Cthulhu is a game all about creating the story with your pals it's a tabletop rpg you're, you're all contributing and like there's that danger because you create a character that you really care about whereas sinking city it provides you with a protagonist who may, might not be the most interesting it you know it hits you with like waves and waves of enemies because that's the easiest game to make you walk into yeah. a room and an enemy is there and you make it so the enemy isn't there anymore and like it, it, it's not exactly what call of cthulhu is all about which is about it's less about action. It's more about characters interacting with each other and kind of creating weird little problems which kind of balloon into unstoppable dilemmas. Whereas, you know, you just sort of slap the Cthulhu mythos on a third-person shooter and yeah. you call it a day, right? It's like it's, there's nothing yeah. different that than Frozen on, on Guess Who. You know, it's just like it, if, you, if you make a video game which is the easiest kind of like shortcut to make, which is like, oh, what sells? Third person action adventure games and Cthulhu. And you just combine those two and don't do anything more than that, then yeah, it'll just be a little bit boring. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, Isaac, I'd like to ask you whether you have any questions for Adam at this time. Yeah, I want to make it super quick. I know we're slightly over time. Um, you made you mentioned something earlier, um, and I think you said around two thousand eight. That's when pandemic came out. When did board games start getting like good? When did the good ones come out? Like when did the pandemics and the ticket to rides and the I guess you know unstable unicorns and like all these like fun games that you can just you know grab some mates and have a really good time with, and it won't ruin your day like a monopoly would. When did these games start? coming out when did that happen was there a spark uh, like yeah yeah i could provide you with almost an exact answer uh 1995 uh is when settlers of Catan came out hmm. uh so basically germany has been doing board games for decades <laughs> they've been doing board games so much bigger and better than anyone has because the rest of the world was happy enough with like board games which put you in direct conflict with each other and like fighting games and war games and stuff like that. After World War II, Germany wasn't interested in conflict anymore uh, for reasons why you can understand. Um, and they were just like, well, we want to rebuild the German family. Uh, and so much of that was about kind of 
games which not necessarily are collaborative but ones where you don't know who's winning until the end where you know you have it's more about points than it is about fighting it's more about working on yourself than it is about punching someone else on the nose and so they basically built the concept of the euro over the course of decades since like after world war ii and they were building you know they were coming out with these great games and it was uh, it was settlers Catan was the first one to kind of escape germany that was the kind of the big hit that hit the globe and then they um, settled all around the world basically yeah basically the world was one big Catan. And they built their roads and they ch and they traded their wheat and they built their cities um but that was the one that got german uh that was the one that got american western and european designers who weren't german thinking oh this is a new type of game because Settlers of Catan is, it's all about negotiation. Um, there's no dice. Well, there is dice, uh, but you don't move, you don't use it to move around a map. You're not racing anyone. Instead, mm. you're using dice to create a burst of an economy and then you're manipulating the economy for your own ends. Uh, and we hadn't seen anything like this because games were just like the game of life, Twister, Snakes and Ladders, you know, and like there was no, there wasn't a lot of innovation there. I mean, there have been some great Western games too, but it was mostly from the influx of German games where suddenly everyone was like, oh my God. And that's where the rise of the designer came in because all of these young designers who were bored of these games saw Settlers Catan and was like, I want to make my own version of this. And it took a while. It took a while to, for those ideas to kind of, those Euro game ideas to bleed into the American market. But that is when things started to happen because 10 years after that, Ticket to Ride came out in 2004. And Ticket to Ride was, that is the big American board game success story, way more than Pandemic. The Ticket to Ride's unbelievably successful. And it's a Euro game right down the line. Like it feels American because it's got a big American map on it, but it's a German game. Uh, in its DNA, because you don't know who's winning until the end. Uh, you're getting in each other's way. You're working on your own train lines, which affect other people, but it's not a conflict game. And that just kept building and building, um, you know, and that's when, you know, Ticket to Ride led to Pandemic, led to other like amazing games. And that led to kind of like proper design, hobby design houses springing up in in the US and like the Spiel des Jahres, the best a board game Oscar, basically, like those awards started to mean something. And that's more European games just coming in, like with the rise of like, and it's like, oh my God. So, so there became this real appetite for different feeling board games because the board games had become so samey. Uh, and that is what led us to the kind of the board gaming renaissance because yeah, like American designers have like properly, like by the mid 2000s, like all the designers in the world had caught on to the German sensibilities of board games and were properly churning out top quality hobby games by that point. So yeah, like I'd say uh, 1995 Catan is what really started it all, but by the mid 2000s, that's when the board gaming renaissance began. And it was around about 2010, 2011, where it was just like exploded. Like that's when you had your legacy games coming out. And that's when like, the big, big stuff, just like, and it, it's built and built and built. Like, like the number of board games that comes out every year gets higher and higher and higher. Kickstarter, like board games, are the number one uh, product on Kickstarter. They make the most money for sure. And yeah, it, it's it's getting there. We'll get into the mainstream eventually. You know, we're, we're slowly building our way up. 
once people realize that video games require you to put down your credit card to buy like a random ass joker skin and don't let you play with your friends on the sofa anymore that's when board games will swoop in and be like hey you got five friends coming over here's something that you can actually play with them stuff like that amazing me answers that's, that's a little yeah, board game was, history lesson that was, that was amazing yeah that. Uh, i don't know what it is like the way you like when you when you get into it and you say stuff it's just like mm, enthralling so yeah oh, just... thank you <laughs> uh, i really i really love board games I can't, yeah, it's, it's hard to fake my love of wrestling, but it's easy to, uh, it's easy to talk about board games because I genuinely love them very, very much. Oh, you should uh, start a YouTube channel, Adam. I'll think about it, Isaac, but nah, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. Mm, fair <laughs> well, I'll, I'll support you. I'll tell you what, I'll do it if you're a part of it. How about that? Uh, go on then. Go nah. on. <laughs> you twisted my arm. <laughs> go on then. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Did you have any other questions, Isaac, or Adam? Uh, no, I think that's it. I've had a great time. Awesome. Adam, did you have any questions for us? Uh, well, I think I know Isaac's favourite board game, but do you, Andy, have a favourite board game? Um, I can't say Blood on the Clock Tower because it's not out yet, but it would be that. And if you played it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. I I really love how different it is playing in person than it is playing online. And that in itself almost makes it two different games. And then the fact that no two consequent games are the same is just amazing. You have so many, it's, it's like the perfect decision tree. And like, there's like thousands of branches and every decision here means that, you know, the next day is a completely different conversation. The storytellers have a lot of power. And of course, they want the best game possible. They don't want to like screw over evil too early because as Ben quite rightly says, you can always help good later, but you can't help evil later after a certain point. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, evil yeah. in trouble from <laughs> day one, as uh, yeah. Isaac and Blair found out. Oh, yeah, that was... Oh. I, I have told him how bad he played that game. I was disappointed. <laughs> It's was... easy for you, Andy. It's, I'm going to come to Isaac's defense here. When you know who everyone is, it's incredibly okay, easy yeah. to play Blood on the Clock Tower. It is. It is. It is. I And I will say, I want to get it out there. I honestly thought Laurie was just big braining me when he just came out as the juggler. I was like, oh, no, he can't be. He can't be. Like, to just come out like that, of course I'm going to kill him. So he can't be the juggler. And he was. <laughs> he, uh... No, 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 we'll talk about this later. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, I would say Avalon because I really do like social deduction games. I'm not good at them, but I really enjoy the social aspect of them. Mm. Yeah, you're pretty good at them, man. Do you know what talking oh, about? Okay. You single handedly solved the whole game of Blood and Clock Tower. That, really? That, Tell that, the story. Yeah. <laughs> well,. I wouldn't say single-handedly. So we, we played the game of Blood in the Clock Tower and uh, there was this one guy who was really sus. Uh, Francesca. And he claimed, yeah. Which, he, which, which script, first of all? Is it uh, Trouble Brewing? Trouble Brewing. Nice, nice, nice. How many players? About seven uh, of us, maybe? Okay, Yeah. So this guy, Francisco, was really sus and he was going around saying, I'm the mayor. And like every time he said that, he'd like... <laughs> I'm the mayor. <laughs> so everyone was like, oh, you're not the mayor. That's clearly a bluff. Um, 
I was lucky that I was the washerwoman and I got killed off by the demon who was McKaylee, who played amazingly. He he is a he is such a good player. He was Monster. so close to winning. Yeah. Um, so I got my my two pings and I spoke to one of them. He was like, "Oh, I'm an outsider." I was like, "Cool." And um, I spoke to Francisco and basically I just asked him, you know, what he was. And yeah, he just convinced me that he was the mayor, and. Obviously, I had seen seen him as the mayor, so that was all I had to go on. So, final day, it's three of us. Michaeli is obviously doing his uh, his his big spiel. I think he was bluffing fortune teller, and like I don't know how you even remember all those names when you don't have a notepad. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> bluffing fortune teller. That is a yeah. Of course, that's, that's what Michaeli would bluff as. It's because <laughs> it's a challenge for him to show. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he did have the town like convinced just because of how sus Francisco was. But I think because Francisco was so sus, that is why I believed him as mayor. And I basically just said that out loud to the whole uh, square, the town square. And um, yeah, I managed to convince everyone not to execute on that day. And we won. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. We fell together. A mayor victory when you can get it. They're rare. But yeah <laughs> not for us actually like when we when we've played them like we've had loads of mayor victories but apparently according to the official blood in the clock tower guys a mayor win is really rare because people just like oh sod off you're not yeah the mayor. <laughs> and then just immediately kill someone yeah but it's, it's always good when you, you 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 make a you you make a weird move and like it turns out working so um yeah that was a really good game but i mean other than that i wouldn't say i'm a good like Social deduction gamer. Like there've been plenty of horrible games I've had. Um, I remember a game of uh, Resistance that Isaac and I had, and like he embarrassed me. <laughs> um, so you know the meta: no one fails the first mission. Oh, Isaac, yeah. did you? This has happened to me, yeah. and I got so angry. <laughs> did you? Do you fail? So you yeah. and Andy, you were the Hell evil yeah. one, and you failed the first mission and convinced yeah. everyone that Andy was evil. That's yeah, happened to me, and I hated it, Isaac. It's, so it's good, the though. worst feeling when you know that you've lost the room and you know you don't deserve to. You're a monster. It was bad. It, it was bad. I yeah. Um. Then he did it again. <laughs> we played another game. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but even, you know, casting that aside, Resistance is a great game. And I think Avalon is just a slightly better version of Resistance because of the murder mechanic. I think the secret to a great game, whether it's a board game, a video game, card game, is balance. And the more balanced the game is, the more fun it is because it truly does feel like any team can win even though the, at the start there might be advantages skewed one side, it can be easily just rectified and balanced out. And I think that's what games like Avalon and Resistance and Blood on the Clock Tower give. And a lot of games like Monopoly don't really give, like not being able to play for like 67% of you know the, the group's time is not as fun as being able to play even when dead. So yeah, just, yeah, I think... Blood and the Clock Tower is my, my answer, but if I couldn't say that, Avalon. Both great games, really great games. And like you say, like it, it's all like heading back to that kind of idea of German sensibilities of games coming over. Like it, it just like, we, we didn't, we weren't making new styles of games. It was all like race games, like Snakes and Ladders, or games where people kind of get eliminated off uh, early. And 
yeah, like that's one of the big kind of things that came over from German games. It just became like a, no one gets eliminated early. It became like this kind of not taboo, but it just became a thing that wasn't done because it was all about preserving the family model. So it wasn't about, oh, you know, dad's got eliminated an hour into the game. So dad's going to leave the table and not going to come back. Because why would you? Like that would became a thing where Germans were like, we're not going to do that mechanic anymore. No player elimination. And then that slowly bled into Western design games. And so now player elimination is a proper like it's a dirty word uh, for games over here because it's. It, like yeah like board games have achieved a sense of like here are the social things we're trying to ad uh, address trying to do trying to create we're trying to create stuff that makes people feel social or together or uh you know yeah like being in the same space and really kind of being aware of each other and and playing off each other and like any kind of like stuff that kind of damages that kind of that becomes like bad board game design which is really nice it's nice to see like kind of yeah, um, game designers are more focused on making sure everyone has a good time rather than just yeah. cashing in and making the easiest game possible. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, agreed. We are going to call it there because, <laughs> Adam, I thank you so much for your time. But I oh, my pleasure. But you have stuff to do, so we are going to let you go. But before, please let the people know what you do and where they can find you. Sure. If you like wrestling, and why would you? Uh, I, I work for two YouTube channels called uh, Wrestle Talk and Parts Fun Known. It's all very fun. It's all very silly, but wrestling is bad generally. But if you want to see a lighter side of bad wrestling, then please uh, check us out on Wrestle Talk and Parts Fun Known. We try and make it as fun as we can. Uh, however, if you are more interested in games, and absolutely, why wouldn't you be? Uh, I run a YouTube channel called No Rolls Bard. Uh, just search for No Rolls Bard on YouTube, and you will find hordes of of great content great uh, like if you know a kind of game that you like we've got probably got a list about the 10 best versions of that game that you can buy we've got uh, deep dives into classic games and whether or not they're actually good like monopoly spoilers it's not uh, we've got great games featuring isaac playing blood and the clock tower and board game club and all sorts of stuff like us actually playing these games you get to see how they work and stuff like that we've got reviews uh we've got a review of a board game table coming very soon which like we'll also show you our a little studio like we're, we're about to turn a, a major corner in the channel like we started a board game channel during a pandemic where no one could be in the same room as each other that was dumb but we we stuck with it and now we're able to get in the same room finally and uh yeah so we're going to use that and, and properly kind of like produce some really exciting new content for neurals bud so there's never been a better time to get on board and subscribe to neurals bud absolutely get on board yeah and the only thing i would contest is saying it was dumb to start neurals bud in the <laughs> pandemic because it wasn't like I mean, we couldn't get people. it put a bit, a bit of a ceiling on the games we could play thank <laughs> god so many of them have been kind of adapted for the internet jeez yeah I, I mean like for so many people myself included like your videos were such you know such help through such a dark time so whether oh, it was you. cbw whether it was you know calling spots whether it was Quizlemania, whether it was blood in the clock tower um i want to just thank you for all of that you know all of that great content all of that great um in entertainment all of those great ideas yeah honestly thank you you're welcome it was a lot of fun to make and i'm glad you had a lot of fun watching it but you could follow us on streamcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash streamcast. 
and follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Streamcast TV. You can check out our website where we do all sorts of gaming blogs and we should have the five games we are most looking forward to in autumn. So check us out on thestreamcast.co.uk and why not uh, check us out at Devet at Brighton. We will be speaking about um, diversity in the games industry. So don't miss that. And links will be in the description so you can make sure that you can keep up to date with all of our news. But until the next time, please take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Stay safe and we'll catch you on the next Streamcast.